Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. All right, here we go. Let's get right into the word. Luke chapter 24. Um, this is fitting because this is the scripture that my wife uh, spoke on earlier and just, just a moment ago. And she didn't realize that that was going to be uh, the, the grounds of, of this message today. But here's what it said in verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and they went to the tomb and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. This would be the appearance of the angels. And in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, and I love this part, look at it with me. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Come on, somebody. That's good news right there. He is alive. Remember, they said, how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And when they remembered his words, when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11 and to the others. Maybe you're thinking that's a typo because there were 12. Well, if you know the story at this point, there was 11 because Judas had already taken his his life. It says the, the 11 and the others. And in verse 10, it tells who who these women were. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense to them. That, That should give you an indication that they were not expecting a resurrection. They thought it was, it was nonsense. They thought it was silly to even, even say that the tomb was empty. Verse 12, Peter, however, and Peter's my favorite, just so you know. Peter's a little touched in the head. Peter is, he's a little kind of loose cannon. He's like a, a little trigger happy. He, he will cut you. Peter carries a knife, all right? So that's kind of, where, where do I get that from? God's word. You should read his word. You'll find it in there. But I like Peter. It says, Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Like, what's going on here? All this confusion. Obviously, they had just gone through uh, an incredible, you know, week that, that we're going to talk about in just a moment. But this was, this was if, if nothing else, this day did not go according to to plan. How many of you have ever had a day that did not go according to plan? Raise your hand. Some of you are like, right now is a day not going according to plan. But you know how, I, here's, I have a theory that when you have to be somewhere in a hurry, like for some reason, every slow driver in the world is deployed at that exact moment. Are you with me? Or, or like you got to go somewhere quick and so you go to Starbucks and they backed up the line and people are trying new drinks. It's like, hey, you order the same drink every single day. Why are you changing it up today? Or you go to McDonald's and people are staring at the menu like they've never seen it before. <laughs> they've been serving the same cheeseburger since the 1900s, right? This is like, I, I just, you know, there are some days that we experience that don't go according to plan. And we've all had those days, and I would propose that Easter morning 
Resurrection morning? This was one of those days. Of course, when we think of Easter, we think of all the the joy and the celebration that comes along with Easter, but the original Easter Sunday morning, it wasn't that at all. Like we think about, you know, hanging out with friends and family and going to lunch and, you know, gathering and taking pictures and and, and outfits and all that kind of stuff on, on Easter and the joy. But Easter Sunday in this time was not that at first. In fact, in order for us to get a complete picture, we need to back up a little bit to Friday. And I would say even before Friday, Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is when Jesus rode into town down the Mount of Olives and everybody was yelling and gathering on the side of the street, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us because they thought he would be a political Messiah. And so they're taking palm branches and they're laying them, you know, on the ground in front of him as he would walk over them. And that's why it's called Palm Sunday. And then, you know, the events that happened that week, of course, the upper room. The, the Last Supper, and there's all kinds of art that's been created around that whole, whole night. And then we get to Friday. And Friday is anything but a joyous occasion. It's anything but a, a celebration. Friday is the day that he was beaten. Friday is the day they put a crown of thorns on his head. Friday is the day that he was crucified. And if you don't know anything about crucifixion, the Romans uh, had perfected it. They weren't the inventors of it, but they had perfected crucifixion. They would take a prisoner and tie him to a whipping post, and then they would take a a whip called a cat of nine tails, which was a a whip with nine pieces of, of leather attached to the end of it, and attached to those strips of leather were bone and metal and glass. And what they would do is when they would whip you, the whip would wrap around your body and embed into your flesh that bone, metal, and glass, and when they pulled it away... It would rip away the flesh with it. And I'm not trying to bring a downer to this Easter. I'm just, I'm trying to describe what they saw. I want you to understand what they went through, these men and women who had followed this man, Jesus, who had spent time with him, who had had learned from him about what the character of God was like through him, who who had learned about the revelation of the kingdom of heaven. They had broken bread with him. They had spent, you know, they, they had seen miracles done by this man. They had followed him as he fed 5,000 with a few loaves and fish. They followed him as he healed the blind and, and raised the dead. Not that long before this moment, he raised Lazarus from the dead who had been dead for, for four days. And they thought this whole Messiah thing was going to become something. But now, it wasn't. He's dead. And so Easter Sunday morning, the women go to the the, the, the tomb and they take burial spices with them. Why? Because they did not expect a resurrection. They thought it was over. Like you don't bring burial spices unless they are dead. And I think about when they came up to the grave, that grave represented some things uh, in our own life as well. And, and it, by the way, it doesn't matter if you've been on this faith journey for a long, long time or you're just new to it or you're just checking things out. I think the grave represents some things in our life. And I think the first thing the grave represents is loss. Now, you don't have to raise your hand, but we've all been through loss. Every single one of us have, have stood over the grave of loss in our life, whether it's loss of a loved one, a family member, a friend, Like we have all experienced the grief of of losing someone. And there are different kinds of loss. There's loss of innocence, where maybe you've lost your innocence at 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 your own mistakes and decisions that you've made or at the the hands of someone else. We've lost innocence. Maybe you've lost security. 
How many of you know in the last few years, like when we thought this world was fairly rooted and fairly grounded, but it was, you know, turned upside down in the matter of moments and minutes when a pandemic hit. And so many of us have lost this feeling of, of security. In fact, I think what we're understanding is that security is just an illusion anyway. Security in the things of this world is just, is nothing more than an illusion, but we lose our security, whether it's financial security or, or physical security, all of us, my point is, have experienced loss. And it doesn't matter, you know, your status, it doesn't matter how much money you have or don't have, we've all had loss in our life. And they walked up onto the grave, and I think it represented loss. It, it, for you, it could be a loss of a marriage. It could be the loss of a, a job or a career. Whatever it is, we've experienced loss. None of us are exempt from loss. But I think it also represented failure. Failure, because the Jews thought the Messiah was going to come and rescue them from Roman oppression. They thought that Jesus was going to be a political Messiah. That's why they were cheering one day as he's coming into Jerusalem and jeering the next as they're shouting, crucify him. They thought he would kind of, kind of take over from Roman authorities, that he would set the Jewish people as the, the new authority. They would be seated on the throne. And so all this, this hope of that's going to happen is now shattered. This momentum that was, had been you know, gaining in this, this movement, Jesus' notoriety had been, been growing. People were coming from all over the place to see this, this Messiah who was going to save us, save us. In fact, um, at one point, Jesus said, I'm, I'm here to die, actually. I came to die. And, and Peter says, no, you're not going to die. And Jesus tells him, get behind me, Satan. What I'm saying is that, that people had other plans for Jesus. And some of us have our own plans and ideas for, for Jesus and who he's supposed to be in our, our life. But that grave represents failure. And every single one of us have stood over the grave of, of failure Choices that we've made, bad decisions, mistakes that we've made, or things that have happened to us, we've all been through, through failure. And here's what I know about failure. Whenever it hits, you know, we go to the, the what ifs, like the what if mode. Like what if I, I had never, you know, gone to that party and met that person? Or what if, you know, I had, I had believed her when she said she was unhappy in our relationship? Or what if I never had, had lashed out in anger in that way and, and things would be different? What if I didn't lose my, my career and that now that, that income that's been removed has put me in this, this mess? We go into what if mode. We also go into if only mode, do we not? If only I'd done that differently. If only I would have listened or if only I would have changed some things. But here's what I know. No matter how we got there, whatever it was to get us to uh, loss and failure in our life, the result is pain, is it not? Anytime we experience failure or, or loss, we, it brings deep pain in our, our life. And some of you, even as I'm talking, you're being reminded of the areas of your life where you felt loss and failure, and it brings pain. In fact, right now, some of you are like, I wish I'd have gone to a more encouraging Easter church. <laughs> We're going to get there. I promise you. We're going to get there. But all of us, this, this happens to every single person here. Pain is a problem. And when we, ever, when we have pain in our life, what do we do? We try to run from that pain. We try to 
like, like mask that pain. We try to numb the pain or cope with the pain. In, in a lot of ways, some destructive behaviors when we try to do that. We, we get into that fight or flight mentality. We try to flee pain as fast as we, we can. In fact, we try to cover that pain. And in a lot of ways, we are no different from the women who came to the tomb that day because the text told us that they came to the tomb early in the morning and they came with spices. Spices. It's important to know that the, the Jewish people, they did not embalm bodies like we do in order to slow the process of, of decay. They let them decay naturally. And so you put them in a tomb, in a tomb, and they would, you know, the bodies would decay naturally, and then they would remove the bones and reuse the tomb. And so people had family tombs, which is why, by the way, if you know the story, Joseph of Arimathea was willing to, to let Jesus, his body, be in his family tomb because he knew at some point the body would decay and they would remove the bones and reuse the tomb. And so the women that day came to the tomb and they brought spices. And I'm not exactly sure what kind of spices they brought. We, we have some, some spices here. We have a little, I have no idea what that is, sandalwood, I'm not sure. Um, we have some, some sage, we have some different things. I don't know what it is that they, they brought. Maybe they rolled up you know, on the grave with some essential oils and a diffuser. I'm not sure. Some thieves, some you know, lavender. You know, probably not. They probably didn't show up with some Axe body spray. You know, it didn't smell like a middle school boy's gym locker room. But they brought spices. And so I don't know exactly what they had that day, but I know the purpose of it. The purpose of the spice was to cover up the stench of what was dying, to cover up the smell of, of death and decay on the body. And I thought about it, how you and I, we do the exact same thing in our own life. When things are dying, when things don't go our way, when we experience pain and loss in our life, what do we do? We try, to, we try to cover it up. We try to run from it. We try to, try to mask it. But no matter how hard we try, like uh, you and I have no solution for things that are dying in our life. Because you and I, we cannot bring dead things back to life. So instead, here's what we do. We're like, all right, well, my, my relationship is dying. You know, there's, there's all these issues in it. So I'm just going to cover it up a little bit. I'm just going to cover it up a little bit, and I'm going to cover it up by getting a new relationship because that's going to fix it. I'll get a new relationship, and maybe that'll help. Or there's this hole in my life that, you know, if I just get that new house or if I get that, you know, uh, live in that neighborhood or join that country club, then that's going to fix the issue that I have in my, my life. Or that person, you know, hurt me, and so I'm not going to forgive them. I'm just going to cover it up, and I'm going to cover it up with pride. I'm going to cover it up with with putting on a happy face. Maybe some of you put on a happy face walking in here tonight. But the problem is you and I, we just try to cover up this, this condition that we have, the pain that we have, the hurt that we have in our life. And all we're doing is covering up the stench of, of death and things that are dying because you and I do not have a solution to solve it. And so what we do is we end up on this merry-go-round of life like revisiting the same issues 
over and over. I failed again. I better cover that up again. You know, I made this mistake. I better try to fix that on my own again. And it doesn't matter. The, the names might change. The people might change. The situations might change. But it's the same cover-up. It's the same old story. Is it not? I'll get a new career. I'll get a new, you know, new school, new friendship, new dating relationship. You know, that'll help fix what was broken in the last one. And on our best day, in our best efforts, we can only cover what only God can correct. Every single one of us. It doesn't matter how hard we try. It doesn't matter how much energy we put into it. All we do is, is cover up what only God can correct. It's a veneer. It's a veneer. It's, it's window dressing. We try to cover up this broken condition. And this broken condition uh, has, a, has a term. And the Bible calls it sin. And that's not meant to condemn you. It's just the reality of humanity. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. And so we spend our life and we spend our wheels just trying to do this over and over to areas in our life that we cannot seem to, to fix over areas in our life that we, we seem to just go back to over and over just trying to cover up the smell of what is, is dying. Here's how the Apostle Paul said it in Romans 5.12. He said, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, that one man was Adam, and death through sin. Sin creates death in our life. And in this way, death came to who? Say it out loud. It came to all people. Not some people. Not just the really bad people. The people that mess up all the time. All people. The reason that some of us think we're, we're good is because we compare ourselves to someone who we perceive is not as good as we are. Come on, you know we do that. But it says it came to, to all people. No matter if you go to church, you know, every single week, how many songs you sing, no matter how many prayers you pray, all people, all people. Why? Because all of us have, have sinned, the Bible says. Well, pastor, I don't, I'm, I don't think I'm a sinner. I don't sin. I, you know, I don't, I'm not perfect. I get some things wrong. Listen to me. We are not mistakers who make mistakes. We're sinners who sin. And all sin, the Bible says, creates this separation between us and God. We're not mistakers. Some of you planned your mistakes. Can we get real this Easter? It wasn't a mistake that you said, hey, when I get to work on Monday, I'm going to chew that person out. I'm going to let them have it. That's not a mistake. You're planning to chew someone out. It was not a mistake that you said, hey, you know, you texted her and said, I'm going to be out of town, you know, in this city, and you can come meet me here while my wife is at home. You can, we can hook up there. That was not a mistake. Are you with me? We're all sinners, every single one of us, no matter how much money you make, no matter how much success you have in life, you and I, on our best day, we can only hope to cover what God came to correct. And so I got some really good news for us today, this Easter weekend, because the text says this, that when the women got to the tomb, the stone had been rolled away. And that they couldn't find the body in the grave. And so you know what that means? Before they ever arrived with this, God was already working. God was already moving. 
God was already making a way where we thought there would be no way. And the same is true for you. You need to know that before you ever arrived here today, God was already working. God was already moving. Like, I don't know the conversations that these women had on the way to the, the tomb. They were probably talking about their grief. They were probably talking about the events that had just happened, that they witnessed as they're headed to the tomb. I don't know exactly what they said. All I know is while they were walking, God was working. While they were rolling up to the tomb, the stone was being rolled away. While they were getting there, the same spirit, if you're a follower of Jesus that lives in you, was raising the Son of God from the grave to be a once and for all correction to what you and I try to cover. And you need to know this, before you were ever conceived, like before you were even a, a thought in your parents' mind, God knew you before the foundations of the earth. The Bible tells us he is outside of time. Time has no impact on God. He knew you the day that you would be born and the day that you would die both at the same time because he's not confined by time. But he knew you and he knew me and he knew that we would have this potential to everything that we do, every mistake that we make on our own you know, energy, in our own power, in our own strength, we would spend our lives trying to do this, trying to cover up the sin, the brokenness, the death, and God in his love and mercy looked down from heaven and said, I don't want you to live that way. Like why would you, why would you live that way over and over and over revisiting, going back to something that you have no power to solve. And so you know what God did? He put a plan in motion whereby he would send his son to be born in the womb of a virgin named Mary and she would name him Jesus the Christ, the Savior of the world. He would be called Emmanuel God with us. And then in year 30 of his life he would begin to do miracles. He would begin to gain a following. He would open blind eyes. He would heal the sick. He would raise people from the dead. And then in year 33 of his life, he would walk into Jerusalem knowing he was going to be put to death on a cross for the sins of the world. And in one final stance on the cross, he said, it is, come on, finished. It is finished. Opening the opportunity for you and me to have an existence in, in eternity with God in heaven one day. Because he said, you are going to try to do this with your whole life. Cover up things that you cannot ultimately correct because through one man, Adam, sin entered the world and so with it death. And this is one of these messages I don't even have to tell you about because you feel this, you understand this. When, when we make mistakes or when things break in our life, relationships and, or pain or, or failure comes into our life, like we all feel this, this brokenness that we try on our own to cover up and correct. And that's what Easter's about, that we don't have to go through these motions over and over again, that God made a way where there would be no way. And I love the fact that the text tells us that the women 
came to the tomb and the angels looked at him and said this, why are you looking for the living among the dead? I think my question for us this Easter is, why do you keep expecting to find life in dead places? Like, why do you keep expecting this to help once and for all, like cover what only God can correct? Why on earth would you continue to spin your wheels, spin your life doing this? When God made a way for you, when God made a way for me. You know what it says, Peter? He, he ran to the grave because that's Peter. He's like, I got to see this for myself. And so my invitation for you today is why don't you just see for yourself? Like, don't take my word for it. Don't take, don't take Matt's word for it. But what an incredible story and testimony of how God can transform a, a, a life and impact a, a family. Like, why don't you just come and see for yourself? In fact, let's do this. Would you stand to your feet? And just right now in this, in this, what I believe is a holy moment, like you did not come here, I don't believe, to go through some Easter exercise. Like for many of you, that's the last thing you need to do. That's the last thing you need to do. What we need to do is to once and for all allow God to correct in our life what we could only hope to cover. And so we're going to sing a song. It's called, Oh, Come to the Altar. And here's the, the significance of this song. I don't know how many of you grew up in church or were raised like I was, but we did something called an altar call. Does anybody remember the altar call? Okay. This was it. I mean, this was back in the day. This was, see, sometimes I think we are, um, we try to say, say things, and I'm guilty of this, just so you know. We'll say things like, hey, all you have to do is raise your hand and say this prayer, and then I think that's fine. But also think that there's something to our faith about getting out of where we're sitting and walking up to the front saying, God, I can't do this. I can't do this on my own. I can't do this apart from you. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, trying to make cover up after cover up when Jesus came so that you could stop all this and put your trust in him. And oftentimes we quote this verse that says, the way this happens is if we confess Jesus as Lord with our lips. We believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead we'd be saved. We'd find salvation. And so here's what I believe, just like in the service earlier, that there are people in this room that the Holy Spirit has his hand on your life right now and is drawing you to him to once and for all. Like, why would you continue to try to play cover-up with your life when God has made a way through his son Jesus? And isn't it time to come and uncover and expose and lay it at the altar. Give it to God. So we're gonna sing a couple verses of this song and during that, I invite you to be bold. And I know some of you, your heart's beating in your chest right now. You know that God's calling you to make a decision, but I invite you to, to be bold, don't be shy. Just come up to the front, come to the altar and let this Easter signify the fact that you're 
uncovering some things in your life so that God can ultimately, once and for all, cover your sin. So God, I pray that right now in this moment, as we do that for boldness, I pray your Holy Spirit would draw us to you, God. I pray for for life change to happen. We can get off of this merry-go-round of trying to do this on our own. So in Jesus' name, would you call us? Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast. We hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com slash yes. There will be some practical resources to help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate, go to elevatechurch.com slash give. Thank you for living generously. We hope you enjoyed this message. Have a great week.